five of the NFL season, and COVID is fucking popping off. Just in, uh, as of today, which would be Wednesday by the time you hear this, will be Thursday. Uh, Stefan Gilmore of the New England Patriots has now tested positive for COVID. And uh, the Titans are also, again, after missing a game last week, testing positive again for COVID. So here it is, guys. We, we talked about it a lot last week. Um, you know, how are these COVID tests going to affect the season? Uh, and I think one thing that we've decided and kind of all agree on is the NFL cannot go forward with its current schedule. It just it, it, it will not work. Yeah, it's, it's kind of insane to think that you're going to make uh, any team play 13 weeks in a row. Right. Um, that's that's physically like absolutely too demanding on the body. Uh, but I know, I know the, the big question mark now with uh, Gilmore is, uh, is him and Mahomes hugging after the game. So now they're worried about his exposure, obviously. Exactly. Which, uh, which is going full circle now. Uh, we all talked about it after the uh, after the Bucks game. Giselle um, out there with all the Bucks players that were drinking out of the cup with fans. Um, you know they're all in the same box. So now, you know what if he what if he gets sick? Uh, you know I, I think I think you do have to. I, I agree. You do have to extend the season. Um, and honestly, I think you have to kind of get rid of the Pro Bowl this year. Um, just wax it entirely and use that as potential like uh, makeup time for weeks. Uh, for me, it's not. I mean, Stephon Gilmore is a huge name, but we have players on the Patriots, AJ Terrell on the Falcons, uh, backup quarterback in Kansas City. We we listed. Uh, there's 11 Titans players, and now Maurice Hurst, uh, defensive lineman for the Raiders. So I mean, there's four teams that just kind of came up now. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility that this stretches to eight, 12 teams over the next couple of weeks, you know, that it, it's, I it's going to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. And I, I don't have a lot of faith in the NFL to course correct. I'm, I'm seriously worried about this season. Yeah. I, I think there's too much money at stake to worry about the actual season going on. Like they're going to figure it out. Um, it's not that hard to delay playoff games. Uh, I mean, really it's, it's, it hasn't, really been done before but it's you know logistically it's not that hard for them to make arrangements to to, to delay it to me you just set out four weeks right now four weeks just get aggressive with it you know what i'm saying like put it out now and just reserve these four weeks for any teams that miss a game you just count that as a buy and then at the end of the season they make up their games during those four weeks make it four because one team is already is already probably going to miss two in the Titans, and who knows? I mean, like you said, Gilmore and and Mahomes. There were a lot of pictures of him and th- those two guys interacting, um, and people were getting down on Mahomes about that, which I think is a little weird. Uh, yeah. You can't get down on Mahomes for doing that. Like, come on! It, I, I understand shit is really wild right now in the world, but um, these are still players, you know, that have competed their entire lives together. And yeah, the um, overreaction on that was crazy. Like, you just yeah. were getting tackled you were tackling people you were you know breathing heavy and sweating all over each other they think a little pat on the back is the worst thing that happened in that game like get the fuck out of here well was it mahomes or i was it mccordy or um 
or was it Gilmore? Um, you have to remember this when Mahomes was running out of bounds, and he like it was McCordy. It was McCordy. McCordy, man, that, yeah. I'm, I'm still laughing about that. He like falls down trying to draw the. Well, then flag. you heard you heard uh, Mahomes on the broadcast go, "Come on, man." I mean, Marcus, you played you played football when you were younger. Um, remember what it was like to be in a pileup with all that fucking sweat and just grossness, like you know, oh, it was delicious. It's all all grabbing, eye scratching, like um, just liquids all over the place. Like, there's no yeah. way, like exact. That's that's a good point. Like these guys are fucking smacking each other in the face all game long to ask a player just not to go up and just say hi to another player. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, you, you know what goes on in the trenches, like offensive, de- defensive line. Every snap, they are hitting each other, and they think a tap on the back after the game yep. uh, <laughs> is exactly. going to be going to be an issue. Yep. So, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. But uh, the more interesting aspect of this, as it and this is all developing, so this could very much change as of tomorrow, and we could hear a lot more crazy shit. Uh, but there are basically allegations out right now that not only are the Titans, you know, probably going to miss another week, but that they were extremely careless. Um, they may or may not have held an unauthorized uh, practice during their bye week when they were not supposed to be meeting with anybody and supposed to be isolating. Um, and also that they haven't been wearing the proper protective equipment to prevent this from happening in the first place. So you can't blame anybody for getting COVID unless they didn't take the precautions to prevent it. In that case, you can kind of, you know, you can't blame them, but you can say like, hey, you could have done more to prevent this. Well, yeah. there, there were uh, suspensions and that for uh, what, Clevenger and, and somebody else for the Indians. So we've already seen another sport discipline in this way. I think it makes perfect sense to lay down fines. That's how you create accountability in my part, like, those dudes got straight up traded. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. I, it just it just shows, you know, other sports took this way more seriously. Uh, you know, hockey, not exactly like a – you wouldn't think that they were super careful, but, man, they did it right. They did the bubble system. The NBA did the bubble system. LeBron's going to get another championship out of it. Um, these other sports, they did it right. The MLB has, has been surprisingly unaffected, and I don't really know how they're doing it. But they've had very few tests, let's face it. Very few games that were canceled. Like, yeah, they had a handful of games that were canceled. But for the most part, they've done it well. Yeah, most most of that was early on, too. Um, some of the guys venturing to the same uh, same strip clubs. Um, but the, <laughs> that season in jeopardy. For the early. wings, Marcus. It was for the wings. Great wings. Yeah. Great buffet special, too, on Saturdays. Oh, man. I think about the uh, BYOB strip club that uh, me and Brandon went to for his bachelor party. And, uh, uh, man, that, that, that's, the, that's the only strip club that I could have looked over at somebody and seen them eating a plate of wings. This was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Like, if you would have looked over at somebody and they were eating a plate of wings, you wouldn't even ask any questions. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it was wings and a strip club. They could have done both. <laughs> Um, but you know, obviously in the sports world, we like to, uh, yeah, you have to examine everything after we love to overreact. Um, so let's just say all these hypothetics come true. Um, Titans haven't been taking the proper precautions. Um, and obviously the exterior workouts is, is setting a forfeit on them for possibly the Steelers game and this upcoming bills game. Is that, is that like out of the realm? Um, when they're putting the whole league in jeopardy, in, the entire league in jeopardy. I think it's unfair. Here, here's why I think that's wrong. 
I think it's unfair for the other teams. So I I, I, I do think it's somewhat justice for the team that was cautious, you know, and, and it's good punishment for the team that wasn't. But for the other teams, like let's say in the Steelers division, let's talk about the Bengals, you know, uh, the Browns who are still very much in the hunt, the Ravens. Uh, I think it's unfair for them to give this forfeiture, give the Steelers a win because, I mean, you're playing the Titans. That's a really good matchup. That's a hard matchup. So I, th- I think it's a it's a tough sell to the rest of the league because is it justice for the Steelers? Yeah, but it's kind of fucked up for the rest of the league. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So. I get yeah. It. Again, it just you're right. It can, it creates an unfair. Uh, playing advantage to give the Steelers or in this case, the bills because the Titans game got, got moved. So the Steelers are not getting a forfeiture. That isn't going to happen, but the, the bills who are four and O have a two game lead on new England could potentially go five and O and probably, you know, be a top three seed or, or a top two seed. Um, you're right. It does create a very unfair um, playing advantage for Buffalo. And geez, let's just talk about it from a fantasy perspective. This is a fucking nightmare. I, I personally have Derrick Henry in a league where I'm struggling. I'm a two and two in the league. I have Derrick Henry. And uh, to hear this again, like your number one player out again, it sucks. But I mean, it, so let's talk about it from a fantasy perspective. Let's say they explore the scenario that I laid out where they just put four weeks and they make up these games. How do you handle that from a fantasy perspective? You know what I'm saying? Like, if they have these weeks that they're just going to do makeup games, that's kind of a nightmare for fantasy te- leagues. And, like, how do you even manage that? Well, I, I think you're screwed either way. So, um, so let's say, okay, you got Henry Wright, and the game is being played 13 weeks later. If, can you can you actually, like, logically delay, that, like, hold the scores for that week and then hope that in the next 13 weeks Derrick Henry doesn't get hurt or they're in a position where he doesn't have to play, then you're, you're, you're screwed either way. I yeah, that's why, that's why, it, as, as again, uh, to Drew's point, I think they need to shut the whole league down. Just shut the league down because you can't be like, okay, well, four teams are going to, or six teams are going to get a week 18. Okay, well, now, you know, six teams get a week 18 and two teams get a week 19. Like, that, regardless of fantasy, that's just not going to work. They just need to shut this down create new protocols and restart in a month. I think that's the only way that logically works for the league and also plays in working for fantasy as well. That's interesting. So I, I, at first, when you were saying that, I was thinking that you were going with the angle that they shut it down completely. And I'm like, fuck you (laughs) (laughs) both for the sports memory and for the world. Fuck you. But no, I, I, your, your uh, follow-up point makes a lot more sense. Um, I don't know what it would do for them. You know, if you shut it down for a month, are they going to come back any more prepared? Let's face it. They've had six months to prepare for this. Um, the league shut down in February. COVID hit shortly after, uh, right after Tebow uh, had sex. Uh, COVID then struck. <laughs> um, but uh, the yeah. apocalypse. <laughs> the apocalypse happened right after Tebow finally got his dick wet. Um <laughs> But, uh, hey, let's talk about some fantasy because uh, there's some interesting stuff going on in fantasy right now. Uh, Joe Mixon, after starting out, just god-awful the first three weeks. I mean, he was not – I'm not going to say droppable, but he was averaging less than 10 points a week in PPR. Like, he was getting fringe, like, RB3, like, almost droppable range uh, in, in slimmer uh, leagues. 
busts off all of a sudden three touchdowns, uh, uh, you know, 40 points in a PPR league. Uh, what do you think about Mixon? Is he for real or is that just a one-hit wonder? Um, I'd say it's like right in between. Uh, obviously, 40 points is going to be a stretch for anybody. But I think it has a lot to do with getting Burrow acclimated, um, you know, making the right calls, uh, seeing how your team's reacting. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing him get back into the uh, consistent like 17 to 21 point range um, and a lot less of those single digit duffs. See, I, I disagree with you, Marcus. I think I think he is that's what he is, right? Um, he's he's a worse Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is going to have your, you know, low tens, and then he's going to bust out for thirty. Mixon is that, but just a more extreme. You know, high single digits, and then bust out for mid thirties to forties. Uh, we've seen there's enough tape on Mixon. I don't think he becomes consistent, especially in an offense with a rookie quarterback that isn't going to be consistent. I, 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 if I was a fantasy owner, I'd try to sell high on him right now. I try to offload Mixon yesterday if I if I had him on my teams. Uh, some other interesting storylines around the league. Uh, first of all, Jarek McKinnon um, is officially in the top ten uh, fantasy points for running backs in PPR. Um, if you said you saw that coming, you're a liar. Uh, obviously, Mostert, you know, is going to eventually come back, so that will cut into him. But what do you guys think about Jarek McKinnon? I mean, he's he's been he's been slaying it. Well, they're just they're just so hurt they have no choice but to run it. Um, it's not like they've had a super difficult schedule. Um, so you know, between the injuries and the the, the weak schedule, obviously, you're benefiting there. Um, but you know, obviously, like going forward, that's no, no one you're keeping on your roster and expecting yeah. anything. For for me, as far as San Francisco goes, it's less about the individual player and it's whoever's healthy there. Whoever the RB one in San Francisco is gonna put up numbers. So that Jarek McKinnon, sure, the name's a surprise, but RB one in San Francisco, that's not a surprise for me. And on the injury front this week, uh, devastating news for several teams. Austin Eckler could miss as many as six weeks. Um, Nick Chubb goes down. Listen, if you drafted Nick Chubb, you knew this was a risk. Chubb has always had these injuries. I mean, dating all the way back through college. I mean, he's he's just kind of been a off-and-on guy. When he's on the field, he's spectacular. Um, Kareem Hunt owners, this is your fucking time. Uh, your guy just went from a you know very strong RB two to arguably a top five running back in the league. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting changes with running backs. Uh, maybe the most interesting for me is Mike Davis out of Carolina, dude. The guy Sweet. is he's he's like an RB one right now. Like what the hell? And he's been around for so long. It's like I, I feel like we haven't no one said his name in like five or six years. Yeah, I mean if you look at his stats, he's been an unspectacular player. So, Marcus, I got to ask you, man, is Christian McCaffrey all that good? Or <laughs> it, it, oh, dude, without, I, I'm, I'm fucking, with, I'm fucking yeah. with you. I'm fucking with you. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, we're also talking about a like, different offense. So, yeah, Christian McCaffrey well, is still great. Like, don't ever well, question well, Christian McCaffrey. Well, one thing we do know is, um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater likes throwing the ball to running backs, throwing out the flat. So you're going to start stacking up, uh, you know, short catches and seeing where they can, you know, add yards from there. Um, but, you know, Davis is definitely benefiting. And um, surprisingly, I, I can't believe how well Carolina's defense has been playing. Not not spectacular, but, like, they're like a terrible no-name defense with 
Kukli retire, retiring, um, and pretty much everyone on that defense leaving, uh, and Rivera as well. Yeah, and from a fantasy perspective, uh, on the wide receiver front, uh, if you haven't been watching what Justin Jefferson has been doing, uh, you need to start watching. Uh, he went basically from a fringe wide receiver three on the Vikings to uh, last game against the uh, Houston. He played for 77% of the snaps. Um, his target share is going up. He is making the most out of his targets. He's been extremely efficient. Uh, scouts are saying that his his routes are so clean. He looks like a fifth-year player already in his first year. Um, if he's available for some reason in your league, uh, he's the guy to go out and get. I mean, I don't know why the hell he would be at this point, but um, he's he looks like he could be a stud going forward. So what another in that range, the Justin Jefferson range, um, if – how many people drafted Cole Beasley over Julian Edelman? <laughs> that passing attack, uh, he has more fantasy points. Yeah, he he no, is above and- Julian Edelman. That passing attack in Buffalo with Diggs and Cole Beasley is turning out to be pretty lethal combo. Um, that's something that I, I didn't see. I didn't see Diggs and I didn't see Beasley. Beasley's a top 20 wide receiver right now. That is wild. Yeah, man, it just speaks to how well the Buffalo is rolling. And listen, Sean McDermott is a great coach, a great coach. Um, he's been off and on, though. Like, the, the you know, the Bills, three years ago, they went to the playoffs. Um, the year after, disappointing season. Last year, of course, went to the playoffs again. Had a disappointing loss against Houston in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, it, everyone was kind of... Even me, I was thinking, you know what? They're going to fucking revert again. They're going to have that bad year again. But nope, the Buffalo Bills are fucking awesome. If you own anybody on that team, fantasy-wise, you're doing really well right now. Yeah, they, they actually do look like a very um, like round whole team. Yeah. Super good. They're legit. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to say they're definitely going to win that division. I, I was totally on the fringe. Um, Patriots at 2-2 two and two with a really tough schedule ahead of them. Um, yeah. It's. I don't think it's even a question anymore. Are we seeing peak wide receiver play? I can't remember the last time the wide receiver talent depth is just so vast. I mean, it, it seems like there's a, like a half a dozen all pro wide receivers. I mean, it's it's wild right now. Yeah, especially rookie this infusion of rookie wide receivers. I mean, from CD Lamb all the way to Judy. Like, yeah, Judy has a fucking third stringer thrown to him right now. Um, but he even looks good. Uh, you got guys like Higgins, a second round pick out of the Bengals, whose target share continues to increase. Uh, you got guys like Stephon Diggs, who travels over to Buffalo and looks even better than he has with the Vikings. I mean, it really is. It's it's like a uh, it's like a golden age, and like guys like Odell Beckham, you know, putting up forty point fantasy weeks. Um, it's a golden so, age I mean, for wide receivers. Uh, Chenault from Jacksonville, like he he was a not even a draftable guy, and now he's a top twenty five wide receiver, fr- yep. fringe top twenty five. But still, I mean, this rookie class is looking to be borderline historic. Yep, nope, it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I think Josh Allen will have more three hundred yard games this year than Alex Smith does in his entire career. <laughs> uh, don't rip down, rip on the checkdown king. Did uh, did you see that uh, Haskins got demoted and they started Kyle Allen over uh, Alex Smith? Yeah, I mean, as only a matter of time. I I'm almost doubting if Haskins is even a backup quarterback in this league at this point. No, I, I thought it was a terrible draft pick, and I'm glad he didn't go to Pittsburgh. 
So, I mean, yeah, if you look at those Ohio State quarterbacks, he was the worst one they've had. I mean, and I mean, they they've they have had a string of stud quarterbacks. But I mean, anyone who watches any Big Ten football was like, this is the worst quarterback they've had in a half a decade. And yeah. he somehow gets drafted where he gets drafted. I mean, it just kind of talks about the joke of organization that the Washington football team is more than it does on Haskins. You you can't blame him for getting drafted an entire round or two higher than he was supposed to. Well, it's kind of like Alabama, right? I mean, Alabama gets guys like AJ McCarron. Uh, who dominated his entire college career. I think he lost like one or two games his entire career or something like that, maybe, maybe not even. Um, dominated his entire college career, went into the NFL, was a complete dud. Ohio State has had a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys. Um, there's just schools that are like that. It's, it's kind of bizarre. They got Cardell Jones, you got Terrell Pryor, you got Haskins. Is, oh, I mean, again, I know we're, we're going to mainly talk NFL, but since we're talking – is Justin Fields the next bust for Ohio State? No, no he's amazing. He's a stud. He's an absolute stud. I think he'll be an unfinished product coming out. Um, kind of how I think Tua. I, I think the Dolphins are doing the right thing by not bringing in Tua. They're not going to go to the playoffs this year. Keep Tua on the bench. You got Fitzpatrick. You know, he puts butts in seats. Um, he's not a spectacular quarterback, but he's interesting enough. Preserve Tua for now. You know, he had that hip issue in college. Uh, bring him in next year, roll him out there. But, uh, yeah, I think Justin Fields is going to be spectacular in college, but I think he needs to go to the team like <coughs> the Vikings um, where he can sit behind a veteran quarterback and learn for maybe a few seasons. But, yeah, uh, Justin Fields is going to be incredible, I think. I, I know a great place for him. Well, while we're on the topic of, uh, you know, rookies next year, let's talk about the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Because, uh, you know, I mean, there there are – Jets are an option. Do they move away from Darnold? I think the leader of the pack is probably Washington. But the Jags were supposed to be terrible. Um, so, right now, gun to head, I'm probably picking the Washington football team to win the, the Lawrence uh, sweepstakes. I'm, what about you guys? I'm sorry. Excuse me. But the Washington football team is currently second in their division. <laughs> So let's not be so hasty. Uh, they are. You can't Start, even say that with a straight face. Want, want to know? They started out the season. They beat the fucking Eagles, the first place in the NFC East. Eagles. Um, yeah, I think I think you're dead on. I think the uh, Redskins are leading the pack. Um, and and once again, they started out hot. Again, they started started out hot. But you got to go back to Jacksonville. Jacksonville is back in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Um, Trevor Warren's kind of grew up pretty close to Jacksonville, so there's some connections there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love Gardner Minshew, but if, if you have uh, Trevor Warren's on the board, you got to grab him, right? You got to. I, I think not. I have to go look at the contract times left, but there's actually two NFC teams that I think will not necessarily finish him first, but I think they will be close enough that they can uh, you know, have enough assets to trade up. One will be the Atlanta Falcons. I think right now they are a prime candidate. Um, Matt Ryan's, you know, is just not getting over the hump. Um, he's getting older. But uh, Detroit Lions, um, I think they're a, a big sleeper to get in there. Stafford's getting, you know, up there in age. Um, there's just a lot of rumblings. Uh, Stafford would do good somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I think so Warren, Mar- Marcus, you must be you must be hacking into my notes because. I also have Atlanta as my dark horse for them 
This year, Matt Ryan, they weren't going to move on him. He has a $50 million dead cap hit. No way any team ever does that. That drops down to $9 million if they cut him before next year. To go get a franchise-changing quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, you take a $9 million cap hit when salary cap is going to be over $100 million. Um, I could definitely see them, you know, slip into three and 13. And, you know, maybe if Washington, you know, wins a few games in the NFC least and Atlanta is like my, my dream, not dream location, but kind of my dark horse to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I think the jets are still firmly in play, obviously. Um, wait, did they, they don't have a first round pick, do they? Or no, yes, they do. Yes. They have the the, the jets do. It's, um, it's the Texans that don't, but yeah. Man, how good did Miami do? Uh, they, they they could potentially, um, you know, pending how they finish, but they're they're likely to have two top ten, possibly two top five picks going into next year with another loaded draft, and they got two second rounders. Um, talk about doing it right. So uh, you're right. You know, I I definitely do think. Well, Atlanta, I think, would be the most enticing, especially with the offensive weapons that Lawrence would inherit there in Atlanta. You know how much dead money Sam Darnold has going into next year? 170000 They could clearly just say, we're done with Darnold. We're not picking up his his fourth year. We're cutting him outright and go with Lawrence. I, I, think, I think obviously they'd work a trade before they would cut him outright, but there is absolutely no dead money if they decide to do that, if they can't find anyone to take Darnold. Um, yeah, the, the Jets are definitely a likely place. Sure. Well, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Uh, one of the biggest news also this week is that Bill O'Brien finally is fired. Um, and when we say finally, if, if you've always been a believer in Bill O'Brien uh, getting fired, uh, then you have to be a believer that Dan Quinn gets fired. Because over the last three seasons, Bill O'Brien actually has a better win-loss record than uh, Dan Quinn. Um, but Bill O'Brien was fired, and news is starting to trickle out that – you know, because a lot of people were confused and surprised by it because everyone knew the Texans were going to be bad going into this year. So why not fire him in the offseason if you wanted to fire him? Well, it, as it turns out, the catalyst for this firing may have been their franchise player, the best Houston Texan that's ever played. Uh, Mr. J.J. Watt had a, a couple verbal altercations, allegedly. And uh, so it sounds like that was the straw that broke the camel's back was uh, their fucking franchise player getting a little tiff with them. Well, yeah, but I mean, Bill Bryan's like ran that organization into the dirt. I think it's I think it's always a mistake to have your coach be your GM uh, because then you have no one, you know, looking down at his performance really. Um, but man, giving up their first and second round picks this year for a tackle that they overpaid, who's going to underperform? Um, he's just made bonehead decision at the, the Hopkins. Let's just start off twenty twenty getting rid of Hopkins. What's going on in that guy's brain? Number two fantasy receiver right now. <laughs> Looks like a stud. So, Marcus, you're, you're a Penn State guy. Like, what did you think of him there? I, I'm looking at his wiki right now, and he was eight and four and seven and five. That's how he got the Texans head coaching job, was going four and four in the Big Ten. What did see, you think now, of him there? See, everyone was lauding him because he obviously came from New England, and that was after, um, after they got shut down. Uh, so he was building the program up from scratch. So actually, seven and five and eight and four in the Big Ten with non-scholarship players was actually a hell of a feat. 
Yeah, um, good point. I forgot about that. So, good point. So that's where so that's where he got his jump up. But man, they they just get, you can't give two two positions to one person of that significance. Yeah, my take on Bill O'Brien's fall with the Texans. Uh, I mean, let's face it, he brought some of the best years the Texans have ever had. Um, he was responsible for bringing in Deshaun Watson, who's I would argue is the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFL. He did a lot of good for the Texans, but in the end, I think the ego is what got him. Um, the reports are coming in that he's kind of an asshole. Uh, he's, he, he's a really good motivator, but guys like that, that are really aggressive personalities and really get down on other players. You know, he's apparently really hard on people. Um, he's extremely aggressive. Like he had like one argument with Deandre Hopkins and boom, he was gone. Um, they wasn't willing to pay him for some reason. I mean, Jesus, what, what could be the question mark about paying Deandre Hopkins? But, again, ego got in his way, um, and I think that's ultimately what led to his downfall. I think he could learn from this. I do think he still has a place in the NFL, um, but we'll see. I mean, he, he, he's a guy that he got way too much power and tried to use that power uh, and didn't use it effectively in the end, and that's what got, that's what got him. So I, I, I forgot her name, but I, I live up here in Indianapolis and Texans play in the AFC South. So that was getting a lot of coverage on their ESPN radio station. And I forget her name. Her name was Vanessa something, a reporter out of Houston. And they said when Bill O'Brien fired people, he was F-bombs, loud, made it a show. When he got fired, he got handed his pink slip and nobody said anything. And then a source said, Somebody, not the person who fired him, went up to Bill and goes, that's how you fire somebody. Well, wow. did you see uh, he held a press conference after his fire? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, he held a press conference and, uh, you know, and obviously everyone's like, oh, that, that says something about him and his personality. Now, I think that's just for the media. Um, so he can get a new job coming soon. Yeah. Uh, as soon as Atlanta fires Quinn, he's going to move over there. <laughs> I mean, geez. I, I Honestly, I do think he has a place in the NFL. Hopefully he learns from this because uh, there have been guys that have been given that power. Um, Josh McDaniels, I think, is a similar type of guy. If, if you look at the power he was given with the Broncos, and he kind of went on this power trip you know, for a couple of years, except for Bill O'Brien experienced some success before he was kind of handed these reins. Josh McDaniels was just kind of handed it right out the shoot without being proven at all. Um, but I think they're kind of similar guys. Wouldn't you agree? Like, if you look at Josh McDaniels and the issues that he's had, fucking dude, last year or a couple of years ago when he agreed to be the head coach of the Colts and then backed out, like, that guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, Both guys awesome. like drinking their own Kool Aid. Oh, I mean, absolutely. They're, yeah, they're, they're no one's bigger fans of themselves than themselves. Yep. Agreed. I have a really weird feeling that, uh, uh, what's his face, Trey Lance out of North Dakota State ends up in New England in the mid-rounds, mid-first mid, mid round next year under McDaniels. That could, that could be interesting play for them. I mean, look at Carolina. You know, th- this whole going to get the, the stud coach from college, it's been working out in recent years. Uh, it did not work for a number of years, but there's definitely been an evolution. I mean, Carolina at 2-2 two and two is an impressive fucking feat. The teams that they've oh, yeah. beaten, the teams that they've played – uh, two and two is so good without their franchise player. Unreal. Um, and to bring Teddy Bridgewater along, I mean, that, that offense is humming. The defense is starting to look more, more complete. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's going to be the new trend and that's not going to die out. That's, that's going to continue to go on. Yeah. Cause obviously there's some big names sitting out there. Sure. Uh, Lincoln Riley is obviously the hottest name. Yep. 
All right, guys, let's go into launch into week five of the NFL season um, where we are going to give our picks. And uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into this thing. So what we do is every week we give our picks. Um, you can go on our website and see what our records are for the year uh, to see exactly where we are. Where we are, if you want to bet with us, uh, we are in fact betting all these because we are degenerates. <laughs> We're not. Just- I lost my ass in gambling last. I did terrible with our picks. I went two and four. Uh, it happens, man. Yep, and everyone's got different strategies. My strategy this year has been to pick underdogs uh, in in parlays and just swing for the fences because if you do it that method, uh, you don't have to bet as consistently. You just have to hit, you know, every once in a while, and you're going to be good. Um, but for these. For our argument's sake, we are going to be doing just money line picks, but we're also going to be giving you some advice, you know, on the lines and everything like that. Obviously, the lines are going to change throughout the week, but uh, we're launching this with an interesting game. I think at the beginning of the season, it didn't sound like an interesting game, but Carolina at Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons started out pretty heavy favorites, but after the shit, after shitting the bed four games in a row. I think the world is starting to come around to Carolina and just saying like, dude, Carolina just, or Atlanta just sucks. We were just talking about them for the number one overall pick. Like imagine that discussion prior to the season, people would have said you were fucking nuts. Uh, But as it stands right now, Atlanta is favored by two um, at home. They don't have a crowd still. I think they're, they're letting in a little bit of people, but uh, what do you guys take on this game? Um, truthfully, guys, this one, this is the one I went back and forth on the most. Um, I've actually scratched out this team twice. Um, I am going to take the Falcons at home. I want them to lose because I'm ready to see Dan Quinn go. Um, but it wouldn't hurt to watch them win to have them stay around just a little bit longer. Um, obviously I love what Carolina's doing. Um, but I'm Atlanta finally holds on. Um, and I think they might push, I think they might push it a two point win. Something that's going to be a funky end, but Falcons, hold on. So it, I didn't really go back and forth on this one. This wasn't the game that had me scratching my head. I'm going with Carolina simply because is is Atlanta better than the Chargers? No, the Chargers are a better football team. Are are the, Is Atlanta better than Arizona? No, Arizona is a better football team. And the Panthers just beat both of them. They're hot. They're playing well. They're going into a team that doesn't know their identity. They're having a culture crisis. I hate where Atlanta is, so I, I'm taking uh, the road favorite or the road underdog here in Carolina. Yep, I'm taking Carolina as well. Uh, they're also uh, my favorite on my parlay that we'll give later. But uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, is is Atlanta better than the Cardinals? Exactly like you said. No, I think clearly they're not. But also, you have to look at the style of offenses that they have. You know, Arizona is this team that has. All these weapons, they have a dynamic force in um, uh, Kyler Murray. So I look at Carolina and their game prep for Arizona, and can they do the same with Atlanta? I think 100%. Atlanta has a lot of weapons as well, but they don't have the mobility in Kyler Murray, which is a whole other X factor that they had to deal with last week. Um, I think Carolina might dominate this game I have, I have a weird feeling about Carolina like Carolina is is all of a sudden a dark horse for me which is so bizarre because straight up if you listen to our podcast three weeks ago I was calling them the worst team in the league <laughs> and I don't regret my thoughts at that point because they looked bad I mean the game against the Bucks, 
That was such a sloppy, sloppy, sloppy game. The Bucks won the game by du- double digits, but if you actually watch that game, Carolina should have won that. I mean, they it, it, it was just sloppy. Um, but all of a sudden, these last two weeks, beating two really good teams, I'm very, very curious about what the Carolina Panthers have to offer. I think what is the difference that we can point to? Coaching. So yeah. I really like what I see. Next game on the list, uh, I think it's the game of the week. We all agree. Uh, Indianapolis at Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is currently a two-point dog, which, yeah, if you look at the beginning of the season, that would seem like a no-brainer, but two points. I mean, Indy was a lot of people's favorites to go to the Super Bowl this year. A lot of people really liked Indy. Uh, I did not. I'm eating crow big time. Yeah. What what are your guys' thoughts? Um. And the uh, the massive scoring outburst uh, last week against Dallas, we did see that uh, Baker Mayfield threw for 160 yards, which is like unheard of, scoring for 50 points almost. Um, they're not going to run for 300 yards. Um, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a little bit of a dogfight, but um, I, I I think the Colts are going to clear clean this one out by double digits. digits. Yeah. So my thing, the reason I'm going with the Colts is. Look what they've done to quarterbacks the past three weeks. And we've seen what happens when Baker Mayfield gets a little jittery in the pocket. When he starts moving all around, when he starts releasing the ball early, turnovers. Indy is a turnover team that can get after quarterbacks. I think Baker Mayfield has a three-interception day. And, and I'm with you, Marcus. I think that this could get, this could get ugly. And I, I have the Colts big, I think. Uh, they're only a two-point favorite, and I think they win by seven, maybe maybe even ten. Um, interesting that they're only two-point favorites. I think and that's truthfully, my, my heart can't handle a four-and-one Cleveland team. <laughs> very true, very true. No, I think I, I th- you know going back um, to saying with Mixon, we've seen enough you know out of Mixon to see what he is. We've seen enough out of Baker. Baker has these games where we're like, oh, holy shit, Baker Mayfield can actually be a quarterback. And then the next week he turns right back into who what we thought he was. And I think that this Baker gets a dose of that reality with that indie defense. Yeah, there was some trickery afoot that led to Cleveland uh, winning last week. Uh, it was an interesting win. But, man, to me they survived a shootout. Um, and there were some interesting things that I liked about their defense. Um, I think they have a defense that, it man, it bends, if not breaks. Uh, but they are opportunistic. I think that this is an interesting team. I'm going to take Cleveland. Uh, I think I'm also taking them in my parlay. Uh, I don't know what it is about Cleveland, but I like what I see. I, I'm, I'm with you, Brandon. I don't really like Baker Mayfield. But I really like what I'm seeing in a Stefanski. Again, I can't tell you how many takes I took preseason that have blown up in my face. And if Stefanski turns out to be the guy that I thought he was going into this year, shame on me. Or no, well, good for me. But I, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and say that I was wrong about Stefanski. And this power run game that they're doing looks really good. That so, The way that they're using OBJ is so inventive and interesting. I just, I really like what I'm seeing. Uh, I'm taking Cleveland in this one. Best rushing team in the league. Yep. And they have Kareem Hunt. I mean, he losing Nick Chubb is huge, but not if you have Kareem Hunt as your backup. He is a phenomenal player, an exceptional, special player. Next game on our... He's questionable, I think, this week. Groin, right? 
<laughs> he he is, yeah he has a groin injury but he it, he didn't reaggravate it or anything like that he's he's not even actually questionable according to the injury report right now gotcha. um yeah so yeah groin is groin is definitely uh, something to be concerned about but it didn't seem to affect him last week Jacksonville at Houston's the next game on tap. Houston's favored by six, which I think should surprise some people. It absolutely should surprise some people. This is the 0-4 Houston team against a 1-3 Jacksonville team. Uh, I think people are betting, you know, when coaches get fired, teams come alive. Especially if your franchise player, I mean, I guess you'd call him a franchise player, the greatest player in Houston Texans history. If he's the reason that Bill O'Brien got fired, you might think that, you know, Perhaps they do rally. So something Vegas likes about this team. What are your thoughts? I'm, I'm never going to touch six points. Um, actually, I think it's interesting that the uh, uh, ten, the interim head coach is Romeo Cornell. Um, it's, it's just a blast from the past of another guy who just isn't a head coach. Um, but he's a player's guy. Um, they are going to play hard. Uh, I'm going to see some fireworks, man. I'd hate betting against Minshew, but um, I'm going to take – I'm going to take uh, Houston to uh, show out and give a big F you to Bill O'Brien. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be somewhere like 31-27. Oh, yeah. I, I think this game's got fireworks written all over it. I think I, I, I'm i with you, Drew. I definitely think Houston gives a little hoorah, like we got the shadow of Bill O'Brien off of us. But you can't hide that defense. You can't rally enough to make that defense good. So I love Jacksonville with the points. I love I love the over on 54. I think this game is a 31-27, 31-28. But I do think Houston gets in the win category here just because Jacksonville's a bad team. I mean, they're coming off losses to the Bengals and to the Dolphins. I mean, this is a bad team. So you got to go Houston. But I think this game's going to be a blast to watch if you don't have a rooting interest. Yeah, it could certainly be interesting. Um, I think Houston's hungrier because they don't even have this. You know, they already have their franchise quarterback, so they don't need to tank for anybody. They're doing this purely for respect. Uh, They just fired Bill O'Brien, who has been, I I really do think he just has rubbed people the wrong way for many years. And I think Houston's about to come alive. Like the 0-4 Texans, I would not be surprised if they end up with seven, eight wins this, this year. Uh, I think we're going to see a new Texans team going forward. Give me the Texans all day long. Like you said, I, at points, I think it's more interesting. Maybe you take Jacksonville there. I personally don't take Jacksonville there. I think Houston's going to trounce them. Because if, if you look at the history behind teams, especially teams with talent like Houston has, uh, when their coach leaves, a lot of them tend to come alive. I think we're going to see an absolute clinic from Deshaun Watson this week. All right, so the Yinzer, Yinzer game of the week, Philly at Pittsburgh. Uh, this is this is the battle of Pennsylvania right here, and Pittsburgh is favored by seven. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Philly is bad this year, but they are first in their division. What do you guys think, Yinzers? Stillers by 100. Um, we're, we're due for a letdown. Um so hopefully we don't pull a Tomlin and play down to our opponents. Um, I'm actually expecting seven or eight sacks um, as a team. Um, I think that I think we can flirt with 10, 11, get, you know, get a, the national record. Uh, that's how good we are, and that's how bad they are up front. Um, Steelers cover all day. Steelers by 100. Yeah, so I, I 
again, similar to Jacksonville, Houston, I do think uh, this game stays close. Pittsburgh, for some reason, has been unable to blow any of their opponents out this year. Who they they should have blown out the Giants. They should have blown out Denver. They sh- and they they should have blown out the Houston, and they haven't. So I actually like Philly getting seven points, but Tomlin doesn't lose on the bye, and and. Just like Marcus said, this front seven is going to eat them alive. Look what uh, Washington did to Philly. And Washington isn't even close to a front seven than what Pittsburgh is. So I like this game ugly, 24-20. But give me Philly with the points and the over. If If you're catching on, I love the overs this year in the NFL. It's been a scoring machine. But as a money line, this is a no-brainer with Pittsburgh. Yeah, take Pittsburgh in the money line, absolutely. I do think it's going to be a really close game. Uh, Philly grinded out a really good win last week. Uh, I think Carson Wentz is getting it together a little bit. I'm not ready to believe in him. He, poor guy. Like, you, you know, you can say what you want about Carson Wentz. Guy has no receivers. Like, name two receivers on that team. It's fucking tough. Like, without Alshon Jeffrey, they're just a bunch of no-name guys that he's throwing to. His best receiver is a tight end. So that's a tough situation to be in. Uh, Tack on top of the fact that he also has one of the worst offensive lines in the league, which is not something that Philly has had for the last number of years. They won the the Super Bowl by being good in the trenches, and they are no longer good in the trenches. But I do like the fight of Philly. Um, and I do think that they're going to make it close. So I like them with the points, but on a money line bet, take Pittsburgh all day. I think Pittsburgh is, is, is just, they're, they're one of the best teams in the league. So, uh, next on our list is Minnesota at Seattle, uh, an interesting matchup. This is a team that has met consistently over the last 10 years. I mean, they're not in the same division, but they have played each other almost every single year for the last 10 years. Seattle has historically dominated this uh, matchup. Now, Seattle has played the majority of these games at home. Finally, the Vikings go to Seattle. I don't know how they always get this coin flip where they play in Seattle, but Seattle will be without any fans so the biggest advantage that Seattle has had against all these matchups over the years of the Vikings, they will not have. What are you guys' thoughts? Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I kind of went back and forth on this. Um, I'm, I'm actually with you on the Vikings could be turning corner train. Uh, they did it last year. They had a four or five week stretch where they were one of the worst offenses in the league, and then they turned it on. Um, but I think last year was midseason. Um I love Minnesota. I'm buying a half point here, uh, plus seven and a half. I am going to take Seattle because Russ is playing great ball. Um, I wouldn't be up. I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset, but give me under. Under is going to be another smasher. Um, it, it got close last week, but under still hit. Fifty-seven and a half is going to be a lot of bit too much, um, but Seattle wins at home. Close game. Yeah, I, I wasn't really back and forth on this game. I've been more back and forth on Minnesota. Every time I think, oh, they're going to rally behind, this is the game they're going to break out, they don't. The game they win, I didn't think they were going to win. I have absolutely no idea what to make of this Minnesota team. So I'm taking Seattle simply because I think they're a top three team in the entire league right now. But would it surprise me if Minnesota actually played up to their potential? To what I think, 
at least Drew and I picked them to win the NFC North. We both believe in the talent that they have. So is this the week they finally show it? It wouldn't surprise me, but uh, I am taking Seattle money line, and I'm with Marcus. I If the Minnesota wants to stay in this game, it's gun- they're going to want that under. So I'm taking Seattle money line and, and the under if, if Minnesota wants any chance for this game. Yeah, I think uh, I've been down on the Vikings all year, and uh, I'm a huge Vikings fan. So um, I've been very conflicted on the Vikings. I really liked what I saw of them last last uh, week. I, Dalvin Cook is playing better than ever. The guy looks exceptional. He's ha- He has 5.5 yards of carry this year. He looks unstoppable in a on a bad team. I think the Vikings defense is slowly coming around. It's going to be very confusing what I'm about to tell you, but I am taking Seattle on the money line. And this is going to be very confusing because I'm taking the Vikings on my parlay, and I'll explain why later. Um, I think if you're just doing a straight-up money line pick to bet against Seattle at home against a team that they've dominated over the last 10 years, uh, also factor in the fact that this is a Sunday night game, and guess who's terrible on primetime? I even forgot about primetime, Kirk. I do Um. not buy into a lot of these trends. Um, I think that a lot of them are overplayed. I think that this one is not overplayed. It is a terrible record that he has. Um, Once again, the Vikings went and played Seattle just last year in a primetime game. And by the way, Kirk Cousins almost won that game, and he was not the reason they lost it, but they still lost it. So uh, give me Seattle for the money line. But I do like the Vikings for a sexy uh, upset pick. If For me, gambling-wise, I'm not one of these guys. I don't like to go to fucking, you know, the roulette table and play red and black. Fuck that shit. I go for the big odds. If I'm going to gamble, I'm going to gamble hard. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for these flyers. So I'm going to explain why, but I do take Vikings in my parlay. Uh, but for this, for the, for the... Uh, for this competition, give me Seattle on the money line. It's too much. There's too much at stake there. All right. So the next game on our list, the Monday night game, is man. If you look at the points, it seems like it's going to be a blowout. But I don't agree with this at all. I don't agree with Vegas's take with this game at all. Uh, but Chargers at New Orleans. New Orleans are currently centered as a eight point favorite. And you know, going into this year, you might not think that's crazy. Drew Brees looks bad this year uh the saints are an exceptional team but drew Brees is not the player that he used to be i mean he is very much a game manager at this point uh eight points is a lot to give a struggling two and two new orleans team what are you guys' thoughts um eight yeah i agree eight's too way too much but can we just take a second and reflect on the last four games for the chargers and who justin herbert's had to go up against yeah, mahomes crazy. brady and breeze come on that's that all crazy. hall of famers yeah all, all all hall of famers all nfl mvps um yeah, for, for me, this, this game, this game, if they had Eckler, this would be my upset special. I didn't really go back and forth on this one, but the Chargers just hung up 31 points on a very good Buccaneers defense. Like, Buccaneers have a top 10, maybe top 7 defense in the league, and Herbert showed out. New Orleans have been giving up points. Uh, let me go back and see how many points they've given up in their last three games. 29, 37, 34. That's how many points they have given up. And if Herbert can get in a groove, this is this is my upset special. 
Um, as Drew was saying, I love the payout. I'm not picking them for my parlay because, like Drew said, we're actually putting money on this. The payout for them is plus 285. Uh, that's that's almost three to one on your payout, which is phenomenal there. Um, but for this exercise, money line picks with actual money. I am taking New Orleans, but whoo, I, I love this game. This is one of the more exciting games I'm I'm pumped to watch this week. Two underperforming defenses, right? Uh, we, we thought these were going to be two of the top five defenses going into the league. Um, I'm going to take the under here. Um, I, I've been disappointed by both, but I think it's a good time to uh, play some ball control. Um, obviously, you're not going. I'm not betting against Breeze, um, but I think I am going to throw together a, a nice uh, Minnesota and Chargers straight up money line. A two-teamer, I think five will probably pay close to 100 bucks for the two of them. Yeah, yeah. so Marcus, I'm going to disagree with you on, on the Chargers defense. I think a Chargers defense without Derwin is actually playing pretty good. And against a struggling Drew Brees, I forgot that point. I like what the Chargers are doing on defense. And if they can get Brees to get happy feet, it gets interesting. Man, they just they go 38 against Tampa last week. Yeah, um... The all right. So if you watched the Tampa game last week, which I watched the entire game, all four quarters, uh, Tampa man, they got lucky in this game. Uh, Brady was—it's the worst five touchdown performance of all time. Brady was throwing these weird errant passes, was extremely inaccurate in the first half. Uh, the Chargers bailed him out with a fumble at the end of the half uh, that got the Bucks right back in the game. Brady did his thing in the second half. He did click, but even in the second half, with a perfect passer rating through two quarters, he looked shaky as shit. Um, it's weird how, my, how many points the Chargers gave up, and I still like their defense in a bizarre way. Um, I do think this is a really sexy pick. If, if, if you're like me, you like to shoot for the stars on bets, I'm not putting up $10 bets to win $10. Fuck that. I think that's for pussies. Uh, I like sexy upsets, and I think this is another sexy upset. I did not include them in my parlay because I think it's more of a far shot than the Vikings upsetting Seattle. But I think, like like you said, Marcus, I think this is a good you know one two or was it Dubich who said that? Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna. I, I think I think if if roughly both of those teams are like plus three, they like just say three hundred uh, plus three hundred. I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. I'll pull it up real two, quick. Yeah, two teamer there actually might be like thirty to one, twenty yeah. or thirty to one. So I do like that. that. That's an interesting bet. Throw ten bucks on both the Vikings and the Chargers upsetting their teams. But on a money line bet for this competition, I'm taking New Orleans. Uh, one thing you guys, neither of you mentioned, but it's very notable. A guy that New Orleans gets back this week is their best player, Michael Thomas, the best wide receiver in the league. If you look at last year. Um, Drew Brees needs Michael Thomas. He absolutely needs Michael Thomas. He's been terrible without him. Uh, so I love, you know, I, I'm going to be curious to see what they do. Uh, Michael Thomas is not going to be at full speed. He's coming back from a high ankle sprain, which is a tough injury to come back from. But Michael Thomas just runs a little five-yard slants, and that's all That's all Drew Brees needs him to do. He just needs to be that little uh, kind of escape valve. You know what I'm saying? So. I think it's going to so be a real, huge factor. Real quick, on, real quick on those odds, Marcus, you were a little bit off on that, but it's still a fantastic payout. It's about, it's about a little over plus 1500 so still a 15-to-1 payout, which is, like like Drew said, $10 bet will win you $150. Um, so, I think he yeah. said 100 so he, he actually underestimated it. Um, for some reason, I thought he said 20 Well, I was, I was thinking roughly around 20-to-1. Uh, yeah. Pending, so, 
that was in but still, you were almost spot on. Yeah, that's, that's a, the degenerate in you. That's a game <laughs> fifty-one and a half points. Man, that's that's tough for me on the over/under. Um, I think I'm going to go over on that, uh, just because Justin Herbert. I was talking about it uh, with somebody the other day. He's one of these guys that I really do think he has ice running through his veins. He doesn't know that he needs that he's supposed to lose this game. Uh, he he strikes me as a guy who's kind of like Mahomes. You know, look, look at Mahomes early in his career, and I know that's that's a gaudy comparison. I'm just talking about their demeanor. Coming in, playing these monster teams, he doesn't flinch. And, Ma- yeah. and, and Herbert played Mahomes, and he looked like a fucking all-star. I have so much faith in Herbert. I have so, just as much faith as I have in Joe Burrow. Uh, these are two guys that I think are just going to dominate the AFC for the next 10 years. Uh, so I think it's really interesting. But, yeah, that's one of the most interesting games. I cannot believe that New Orleans is getting eight points. If you're betting the spread, bet against that because I think it's going to be closer than that for sure. We're about to have a really great decade for quarterback play. Um, you know, it feels like. Right. So every year you hear the stat, like 40% of teams that, that didn't make, or, you know, that made the playoffs this year won't make it next year. I think when the Chargers uh, get Derwin back, lose Anthony Lynn and have a full offseason with Justin Herbert, the Chargers are going to be a problem next year. So you think they do lose Anthony Lynn? <laughs> I do. Yeah, me too. But maybe they win enough games that that doesn't happen. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think he's got at least one more year. But I think next year is going to be good enough that he'll be he'll be around for quite some time. Sure. Cool. So we're we're a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, so Marcus and I were we're kind of talking. If the season ended today. What were the playoffs look like? And and from the beginning of our conversation, the season might end today. Um, but yeah, so I kind of want to look at the best of the AFC and the best of the NFC. And for me, the AFC is a lot more locked in, where I think the NFC is a lot more wide open. Uh, for me, I have I have Kansas City winning that division, AFC West. I have Buffalo winning the AFC East. Uh, I have Pittsburgh winning the uh, AFC North and Tennessee winning the AFC South. And then I have Baltimore and Indy as the two wild card games. But wait, there's three wild card games. And that's in the seventh spot for me is where this gets really, really interesting. For me, I have it between New England and Cleveland. And gun to head, I, I will probably go New England. But this seventh uh, seventh spot for the playoffs, I think, was a great idea, and I think is going to make the season really interesting. Uh, the last four or five weeks. Um, see, I disagree. Um, actually, all of our teams are the exact same. Um, that's how I see it panning out. But I think this is going to throw a lot of confusion, and there's going to be a lot of. I think there will be some fantasy football implications going into week 13, 14. Um, now not having that second bye week, you know, especially this year where, you know, the home field advantage isn't really there. They're going to be seeing, there's going to be a lot of teams taking off a couple of those last weeks if they need to, you know, get healthy resting guys. Yeah. Um, only the number one team gets a bye. The second, <laughs> the second team does not this year, which is also huge. Yeah. So for me, uh, they, we're talking the AFC, um, I'm going straight from the top in terms of divisional winners. Uh, give me exactly who's in place right now. Give me the Bills. Give me the Chiefs. Give me the Steelers. Give me the Titans. Um, we have three wild card teams this year, right? Three yep, wild yep. card teams. 
Yeah, so give me, I think this is kind of easy too. Uh, give me the Patriots, and this might rock your tits off, but give me the one and three Chargers as as another wild card spot. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I, I mean, and then give me give me the Ravens. Um, I mean, obviously, I think I think the Ravens are still going to push for that division. Um, but yeah, give me those teams. Uh, I do think the Chargers they got to win this game against the Saints, which I think is a long shot. But if they do, it could be a whole new season for the Chargers. Even if they even if they lose it. A one and four Chargers team. If you look at their schedule down the stretch, uh, they have some very winnable games. It it lightens up for them significantly. Uh, that's why I've been saying to target Herbert in a lot of leagues is because his schedule does lighten up a lot. Um, even at four losses with this new format with three wild card teams, you could conceivably have in both conferences eight lost teams that make the playoffs. And I think that's oh, yeah. that's about where the Chargers end up. Maybe nine and seven. I really like what I see about the Chargers, and um, yeah, I, I think that they'll they'll get in. They'll squeeze in somehow. So, so real quick, uh, I've maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid, living living up here in Indy, and and reading all the uh, Indy Star articles and listening to sports radio. I've turned an about face. I'm I'm willing to raise my hand and say I was wrong on on the Colts. This defense looks formidable. Their rushing attack looks elite. So why aren't you including Indy? Why why are you putting in the Chargers in and New England in over Indy? Because in my opinion, Indy's better than both those teams. Because I hate their quarterback. I think Phillip Rivers is fucking terrible. I mean, he's not shown me anything better. He's he if anything, he's worse than last year. With a better offensive line, uh, not better weapons, but just a better offensive line, which he should perform under these circumstances, and he's not. So I don't buy him at all. He, I don't think they're going to win the division. I think the Titans are a better team. Um, I just, I, dude, trust me. I love the Colts. I've been saying it all offseason. When we did our previews, when we did our AFC South recap, I told everybody, I love this roster, but I fucking hate Phillip Rivers. I cannot buy a team that has a quarterback that bad. His shit talking is still fantastic. Did, uh, did you see him calling timeout at the end of the game? He uh, calls a timeout. He looks over at Raekwon Smith. He goes, hey, hey, Tony smoked you to the corner or something. He just like, started talking shit to him. His shit-talking um, game is elite. His, his baby-making game is elite. That's about it. Yeah, but <laughs> him not putting the Colts in, uh, it's the same reason I'm not going to put the Browns in, just on fucking principle. Yeah, because of Baker. I mean, honestly, I mean, it doesn't even have to be because of principle. You, you, in my opinion, Baker Mayfield isn't leading any team anywhere. I noticed so what, I did not put the Browns in either. So, so let's, right let's jump over to the NFC, which I think is a lot more wide open. Uh, so I think you definitely have the the top three teams, in my opinion. I think you got Green Bay, I think you got Seattle, and I think you got Tampa Bay. After that, it opens up, in my opinion. Um, you know, just kind of like you aren't into you aren't into Phil Rivers. I can't see Jared Goff. You know, keeping up this level of play, I don't believe in him. The Saints have been the most underwhelming team, in my opinion, through the quarter poll. Um, San Francisco, injured like crazy. Chicago looked awful. So, God, I, I Marcus, I'd love to hear who you think is making uh, the playoffs, your top seven, because I had a really hard time with it. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna leave. Um, you know, those um, those three teams. I'm not gonna repeat on them. Um, I, th- I think the East is the only one definitely going to have one team go in, and that's you know yeah. pick your poison. I'm picking Dallas as mine. Um, 
Saints, Saints are gonna Saints go marching in. Um, you know, slow <laughs> rough start, but there's there's still they're still such a talented team, such a talented roster. They'll, they'll get it together. Um, here's where it gets gets interesting for me. Um, I think we're gonna get three teams from the West. I think we're gonna have three. I think there's a damn good chance here we're gonna have three ten win teams in the West. Um, and I'm gonna and let me put it this way: I'm leaving the 49ers out of the playoffs. Um, so Seattle Rams and Arizona. So those yeah. are my seven. To, to round out mine, um, I'm, I also have, obviously, Dallas being the fourth team. I do think they eventually come out if you, if you listen to me in earlier the week. Um, I, think, I think the Rams squeak in, but, and I'm not just saying this because Drew went out there and took kind of a surprise team as his seventh. I'm taking Carolina. I, I just like what they're doing. Uh, I think three teams out of the NFC South make it. Uh, I think again, eight and eight, nine and seven could get Carolina in. They're my dream team right now to 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 get in. I think they're going to learn something with Christian McCaffrey at out. He's going to get back in, vault that offense even higher. I don't think we've seen the best of Carolina, and that makes me very excited. Yeah. So uh, you know what you were saying about the leaving the 49ers out. I don't think that's that wild at all. Uh, prior to Nick Bosa going down, I do think it was fucking batshit crazy, but. Man, we have not seen a team plagued by injuries like this in quite some time, I and mean, they have lost every single player at every single level. They're just now getting one of their best players that you know was a huge force in getting them the Super Bowl last year in Debo Samuel. They're just now getting him back. Uh, they don't have their quarterback. They don't have their quote-unquote starting running back, if you can even say that they have a starting running back. Uh, their defense is decimated. Uh, they're still looking really, really competitive. But, man, see, the NFC is this. You guys were, were saying last week, you don't you don't think uh, uh, the AFC is all that much worse than the NFC. See, I disagree. I think the Cardinals in the AFC would be do so well. I think they're 3-1, and one, maybe even 4-0 in that conference. Um, I, I like some of these teams that are doing so bad, and I think that they would perform in the AFC. I think that this is such a hard thing to pick. Uh, with the NFC East, where do you even go with this shit division? I think you have to go to the Cowboys. So give me the Cowboys as the only team that makes it out of that division. Um, and the NFC West, like you said, what a fucking division. Top to bottom. Just in immense talent. Uh, where do you even go with this? The San Francisco, despite all these injuries, are still putting up competitive performances. Uh, the Cardinals, after launching 2-0 are all of a sudden looking like they're extremely flawed. I mean, mm-hmm. it, losing to the Lions, you know, that's a bad fucking loss. And then losing to Carolina, like, I don't even know what to make of this team anymore. This was right. this was a team that I have doubted, Marcus. You can you can tell me tell me if I'm wrong. I have doubted this team every step of the way. Then they launch out 2-0. DeAndre Hopkins looks like a perfect fit. Uh, Kyler Murray looks like he's taking the next step. It doesn't fucking happen, though. Now they're 2-2. Two two. So, i very embattled about this whole thing. But for me, out of this division, give me only the Seahawks and the Rams. And I know that's going to blow some minds, uh, but that's my take. I'm sorry. No, give me the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals. Um, and then out of the, out of the north, give me only the Packers. And out of the south, give me the Bucks and the Saints. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so no, none of us had the 3-1 Bears. 
You know, I'm, I was, I'm, I have no idea where to put the Bears right now. I think they're the luckiest three and one team. You know, we, we, we've talked a lot about like the most unlucky one in three teams. The, in, in my opinion, man, that defense is so good, but you got Allen Robinson, and that's about it. I'm not a huge fan of David uh, Montgomery. Uh, and Drew, you said it on Monday. You know, when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, for me, that, that seventh spot was really between Arizona, Chicago, and Carolina. I just like the way Carolina's playing a little bit better than Arizona. Um, that, that's really the two teams I was, I was between. Chicago, honestly, was never in my radar right now. Right. See, I, I, I've got Chicago losing uh, Thursday night against the Bucks, um, pushing them three and two. I think they split with Minnesota. Um, and, I, and I think that a lot of splitting, splitting division games is what's going to hold a few teams um, out of the playoffs. Um, the, the North being that one in specific, I think a lot of these teams are going to be beating up on each other throughout the year, uh, just going back and forth. Um, and actually, the bear schedule gets tough. I'm looking at it now. Um, obviously, Bucks. We'll see what happens with the Panthers. But then they go Rams, Saints, Titans, Vikings, and then division games. Um, to Texans and Jags are the only like non-division games that are really realistic. Yeah, I don't think the Bucks are going to win the South. Sorry if I didn't make that clear. I do not think they're going to win the South. I think they're one of the sloppiest three-in-one teams. Like, yeah, the Bears look sloppy. So the fucking Bucks, man. I'm telling you, like. I, I, we're we're around these fucking Bucks fans all the time, Marcus, and they are so they think their shit doesn't stink. Like these these haven't been some of the ugliest three wins we've seen in so long. Um, I think the Saints end up winning that division. And I th- I do think the Bucks make the playoffs, though. Absolutely, I think they win yeah, ten games. Not, uh, uglier games. than the Saints, though. I mean, let's let's talk about ugly. They lose to the Raiders, and they they get their butts kicked by the Packers, and they stomp the Bucks. Said. That's week one with a new quarterback. I, I said the Bucks it look any cleaner? reaction. Do they look I any said, crisper? I completely forgive the Buccaneers for that week one game. Completely forgive. I throw that week away when I'm um, doing any kind of analysis on yeah. on Tampa Bay. That makes one of us. Boy, the Bucks are going to probably win like twenty to sixteen on uh, Thursday night. It's gonna be so, it's gonna be so ugly. I think it's, it's gonna, gonna be an ugly ass game. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Bears won. I, I'm a little bit surprised that wasn't on our uh, on our on our game list. Well, Thursday the Thursday night. Oh one yeah, we don't. Sorry again. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, any closing remarks? Billy fucking sucks. Go Steelers. Yeah. Go Steelers. Man, what a fucking terrible NFC East. The NFC least, everybody's saying. Well, thank you so much for joining Sports Memory Podcast. Um, if you like us, please follow, share us with your friends. Uh, we're just now launching out there. We are a completely different product than what we were putting out this time last year. And I must include the fact that we are barely even a year old. So if, if you have been following us, if you listen to our stuff, please share us with a friend, follow us, because... We need to get more traction. (laughs) Any other thoughts, guys? No, sir. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much and have a great night.